0: Hi, I'm Carmen Laburge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen Laburge. Merry Christmas, and thank you for joining us for the special edition of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Okay, it's a little different because today we're bringing you something special. As we celebrate the birth of our Savior, we're going to have a special Lessons and Carol edition of Mornings with Carmen. Good morning. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm your host, Carmen LaBerge. It is the 24th of December, which means it's also the 24th day of Advent, which means it's Christmas Eve, but it also means we are finishing up reading Luke. So we are in Luke chapter 24 today. Um, This is, you know, I, I just think it's really exciting to be reading the resurrection narrative from the gospel according to Luke, that on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. Now, whose tomb are they going to? Well, they're going to the tomb of Jesus. Well, what? Today is the day that we are anticipating the birth of the Christ child. So I can actually think of no better day for us to be reading the resurrection narrative uh, and then the story of the walk to Emmaus. Now, I will tell you, the walk to Emmaus is bar none one of my favorite stories um, about the life of Christ he it is so human he is you know he's coming alongside uh these two disciples who are walking the 7 miles from Jerusalem to this little uh, village called Emmaus and he simply comes alongside them and he's interested in what they're talking about and their their hearts are broken and you know he's just literally walking with people who are in gr- deep grief and they're they're talking with him and then he is opening the scriptures to them in ways that are just so extraordinary um, and then he he appears to them. He is made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as you break bread, as you have table fellowship over uh, these Christmas holidays, let me just encourage that to be your ardent prayer that Christ would be made known in the breaking of the bread at table fellowship everywhere you are. People are grieving. Everywhere that you walk with people in this in this season, people are grieving. So let's be gentle with one another. Let's be humble in heart. Let's open the scriptures with one another in the same way that Christ did on the road to Emmaus, uh, and then let's sit down at table fellowship and allow Christ to be made known among us in the breaking of the bread. This is Christmas Eve, and so today um, much of the show is musical. And so I just really wanted to, um, uh, in this very opening segment, just declare that we are enjoying the advent of the long-expected Jesus Charles Wesley wrote 18 Christmas songs, thousands, thousands of hymns, but 18 Christmas songs. And Come Thou Long Expected Jesus contains scriptural allusions to the prophecies that point to the Messiah. Um, But I just think that I want to note that in particularly Wesleyan style, the hymn really drives toward personal application. And so today, as we are singing the great hymns of the faith as they uh, come to us in this Christmas season... Uh, Let's just acknowledge, Christ is not only the desire of every nation. He's the joy of every longing heart. So while Jesus is the Lord's Messiah, Charles Wesley and I both, both want you to consider, have you met him personally? Is he the joy of your longing heart? Come, thou Lord.
1: From our feet
0: Lessons and carols continue on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You and I will actually uh, maybe never sing an older or more ancient song um, unless we figure out how to sing Philippians 2, which apparently was sung before it was um, written down to be recited. So, um, But in terms of songs, ancient songs of this time of year, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is one of the oldest. The text is actually developed in the medieval era, and each stanza focuses those who are singing on a different biblical name for Christ. So I want you to consider, as you listen to the stanzas of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and as you sing them, which of the names of Christ resonates with you? Which one really stirs your affection? When when you think about Jesus, and you think about all the names of Jesus— Which one of those names, his name being the name uh, above every other name, the name given by God? Mary and Joseph didn't pick the name of Jesus. God picked the name of Jesus and um, informed Mary through the angel that that is what she was to name her son. Because why? Because he was going to save his people from their sins. So we think about the names of Christ, not only the name Jesus, but the very title, Christ or the title Messiah or Ancient of Days or Son of God or Son of Man or, you know, the king that would sit on David's throne forever. I mean, on and on. When you think about the names of Jesus, which one really stirs your affection? For me, Jesus as Emmanuel really grips my heart. The reality that the God of the universe enthroned in all glory for all eternity would condescend to human form to human reality to human life to you know frankly if you're god for the indignity of being born into human flesh all of the things that are necessary for adults to do for children all of the ways in which we are utterly dependent when we are born jesus experienced them all and he never ceased to be fully god even as he was fully man and so The The fact that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God dwelling with us, God taking on our very human experience and suffering with us, even unto death, that really grips me. Which of the names of Christ resonates with you? What really stirs your affection?
1: Oh, come, oh, come, you Shall come to the oh,
0: Thanks for celebrating Christmas with us on Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. The lessons and carols continue. Turn our attention to the little town of Bethlehem. Uh, we actually consider what happened once in a royal David's city, which is another favorite Christmas carol this time of year. Um, these these hymns and others like them actually set our focus on the place where Jesus was born and the events surrounding his birth. And I'll just say one thing about the place where Jesus was born: um, you're going to see the word stable in a lot of uh, a lot of very old Christmas hymns. But in part, that's because their understanding of not only the historical context of what it was like in first-century Judea, but also um, their—you know—I don't want to say we know more than them because that is just not—that doesn't seem right. But our understanding of New Testament Greek and the Greek of the of that was used in the days of the New Testament has helped us understand that the Cataluma to which um, the gospel writers refer is really the you know like the guest room the guest room was full the cataluma the the place where people would entertain guests when they came to town that room was full and so the room that would have been offered to Mary and Joseph was was essentially uh the the room which was at a lower level than the main room of the house uh and at the at the end of the family room would have been an opening into that lower room because the animals would have been brought into that lower room at night, both for their protection, but also so that the warmth of the animals' bodies would come up through what you would think of as like a vent or a trough that would have been between the family's main living uh, area and this lower room. So Mary and Joseph were offered the the stable area of the home. And so, yes, were they housed in where the animals were? Yes, but they were in someone's lower room of their house, and the manger would have been that trough between the, um, the family's main living area and the room where he was born. So, O Little Town of Bethlehem, uh, O Little Town of Bethlehem gives us the storyline of what happens on this night, complete with the shining star and the angels keeping watch, the holy birth of Jesus to Mary, and the purpose of the entire event which is indeed that there would be peace. So I just want us to consider some of the the lyrics of this particular song. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. When we think of Jesus being the light of the world, um, the one who comes and shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. We're, of course, talking about the way John, in his the first chapter of his gospel, describes Jesus. And we talk about the hopes and the fears of all the years being met in the little town of Bethlehem on this one night. We are talking about the the point in all of human history where the hinge hangs. I think sometimes we talk about the cross being the place where the hinge hangs, but we can't get to the cross of Christ. We cannot get to Calvary unless we go through Bethlehem. Uh, We cannot get to the cross unless we go through the incarnation. And so this night is a hinge point in human history. The birth of God's Messiah into the world literally changes everything. The hymn goes on, or the carol, for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. This, this idea that Jesus has come as God's gift of peace it is an ultimate promise, um, because certainly in the context of history, Jesus is a great dividing line. Uh, and wars are fought um, over and uh, over between those who receive him and those who reject him. And ultimately, a real battle is going to take place um, at that dividing line, at the dividing line of Jesus. And so when Jesus says, I came not to bring peace but a sword, he's talking about that, div- the dividing line that he really is in all of humanity. But it's the offer of ultimate peace in Jesus. You can have no peace with God Without Christ. And with Christ, you can have nothing but peace with God. Like, how cool is that? And so that is really um, a a huge part of what happens on this night in the little town of Bethlehem. The final uh, stanza, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord. Emmanuel. God wants to inhabit your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit and have his Son, the Savior of the world, enthroned therein. Can you sing this hymn today as an invitation that Christ would be born in you today?
2: Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears. Of all the years Are met in thee tonight For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above While mortals sleep The angels keep Their watch of wondering love O oh, morning stars together Proclaim the holy birth And praises sing to God, our King, and peace to men on earth.
0: So up next, my favorite Christmas hymn of all time. It's actually um, also... A very, very brief hymn, the words of which are: "O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth." So, up next on this little uh, time of lessons and carols on this special edition of Mornings with Carmen, "O holy night." I just love this uh, particular hymn. Uh, it stands out in my mind, maybe for its brevity. It's, it's one of those songs that um, is, is easy to rehearse in your heart and your mind um, because it's just not very long. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. All of the anticipation of, of waiting for the Messiah are like bound up for me in just that opening sentence. And then there's this image of the world waiting, and it 's this line: "Long lay the world in sin, and error pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. I want you to consider for a moment um, your worth. I think sometimes we are um, languishing in the reality of our sin and our own errors we are we are literally pining um." in in desperation but jesus has appeared and with the appearance of christ with the birth of christ with the incarnation of jesus christ we know our worthiness we know what we are worth how do we know because god was willing to condescend to our humanity and give his life as an atoning sacrifice for us that we might have the possibility of a restored relationship with the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how much you're worth. If you've ever wondered, am I worth anything? You are worth everything that Christmas is all about. You are worth the Christ child coming. You are worth and worthy of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Which leads to this uh this line, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh hear the angels' voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. O oh, night divine, O oh, night, O oh, night divine. I want to ask you, do you feel the thrill of hope tonight? Do you I mean, like, you know, it's Christmas Eve. Do you feel do you feel the thrill of hope or you know what has it is basically come become kind of, you know, so routine? Like, right. We do this every year. <clears throat> we've been here and we've done this, Carmen. We did this last year. We did it the year before. We've been doing it for 2000 years. There's nothing new here. You do not feel the thrill of hope. That Christ is coming, that the Prince of Peace is about to arrive And you say, well, no, because he arrived and the world is still weary. And yes, that's a part of the reality of the kingdom being already and not yet. Like, I know we live in the meantime, not just the time in between, but the meantime. Times are mean. I get that. I get that the world is weary, but I also get that this night changes everything. And that in um, the coming of Christ, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn.
1: Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. the
0: You're listening to a special Lessons and Carols edition of Mornings with Carmen for this Christmas Eve. to this next Christmas carol, which is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I want to read the text upon which it's based. It comes from the second chapter of the gospel, according to Luke. I'm going to pick up at verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Uh, I, I have another translation that says they were sore afraid. Yes, they were. <laughs> It's not just like regular fear. It's like painful fear. They were sore afraid. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, so this is another, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is another one of Charles Wesley's 6,000 hymns. Uh, and it's it's a scripture, it's, it's this passage of scripture paraphrased into a song. And so as we consider um, the words that are included in this carol, I really want you to think, like, what are the ways in which, what are the passages of scripture that, have great meaning for you, that you might actually, in your heart, set to music. You might sing the scriptures uh, in those ways. So we could focus on every single line of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, but let's just focus on the last three lines. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. If you've ever wondered why Jesus was born, Charles Wesley sums it up uh, right here, in these three short uh, lines of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So this is why Jesus came, so that we would no longer face eternal death. Because obviously, you know, born that man no more may die does not mean that nobody's ever going to die because people die all the time. And we know that and we grieve their loss. And Jesus grieved death during his life. So uh, it's not a question of whether or not we're still going to experience death. We are. But we will not, in Christ, face eternal death. Um, we we actually now have the prospect of eternal life. So instead, he raised us with him to eternal life. And so again, even though it's a Christmas carol, it is also an Easter carol. And it is also, um, you know, a carol that is relevant in terms of the Christian life. Jesus's birth marks the coming of the promise of our rebirth to a living hope. Let me let me say that again. The birth of Jesus, Christmas, what we celebrate tonight, marks the coming of the promise of our rebirth to a living hope. So the birth of Christ and the potential of my being reborn in Christ is really significant. And with the angels, we sing glory to the newborn king. I want you to um, consider the glory of God, the weight of God's glory. As we, as we sing about placing the weight of that glory on the newborn king, on the infant Jesus, the angels perceived Jesus as the newborn king, not only really to be worthy of glory, but to but to be the first person ever to be able to bear the weight of the glory of God. You and I, we cannot, we can't bear the weight. We cannot bear the weight of the responsibility of being God. And so even though there are times in which we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, and we imagine for a moment that we are like God, uh, once the weight of the responsibility of being God falls in upon us, we recognize we are too small, we are too human, we were not made for that. God is God and we are not. The angels perceived Jesus to be not only worthy of glory, but even as an infant able to bear the weight of it. Okay, so so much of what we're doing um, this morning is really about the way our faith sings and the singing of the faith here at Christmas. And so there are lots of carols yet to be, uh, yet to be sung and yet to be talked about, and we're going to spend another hour doing just that. But at the end of this hour, let me just ask, what does your faith sing? Like, what, what does your heart sing? Um, what's the soundtrack of your faith? Might be another way of, of thinking about that. And my grandmother, Robina... Who I talk about from time to time, she um, there were two songs that she like hummed all the time. It didn't matter what time of year it was, it didn't matter what was going on. the The soundtrack of her life was really these two hymns. One one's called "In the Garden," and uh, it has the refla- the refrain, "And he walks with me, and he talks with me." Uh, so that's the way I remember that one. But it's "In the Garden," and the other one is the old rugged cross. And it occurs to me here at Christmas, my grandmother wasn't a big hummer of Christmas carols. She was a hummer of what I would call uh, Good Friday carols. It's a little weird, isn't it? Like, right? She was humming uh, the scene of, of Jesus in the garden, both in Genesis and then the the reality that He walks with us um, in the Garden of New Life. But then also the old rugged cross. So I'm just wondering today on this Christmas Eve what is your what is your heart singing or what is your heart humming? And maybe it is not a Christmas carol. Maybe it is something about Easter. So I just uh, wanted to lift that up in the next hour. We're going to consider the angels we have heard on high. We're going to experience the characters at the manger on the night that changed the world forevermore. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen and we'll be right back.